Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's the Afternoon Underdogs on Cards Radio 790 KRD. Now, here's Tony Vanetti and Dave Jennings. Hang on. It's not working. I hear you. Your thing isn't working. Damn it! I had the, I had the what Buster Douglas thing. I had the Buster Douglas four two five zero five hundred. Do you the have way. the Buster Douglas thing? I do. You Play can try it. again. Okay. Oh, you didn't have it on in uh-huh. there. You tell me. In the previous round, on his back, uppercut from Tyson. It went to nine seconds. Nine seconds. He's wobbling, and the ref, you can see, goes, eh, okay, you can go. So then the bell rings. So he's saved by the bell. Buster Douglas is saved by the bell. For whom the bell rings. For whom the bell tolls. And then this happened. Tyson trying to end it with one big shot again. He's down. He comes with the uppercut. Come on, Robert Buster's right shot. Biggest upset in boxing history, 42 to 1. Buster Douglas beats Mike Tyson in the 10th round in Japan in 1990, 30 years ago. Today. Today. He was so dominant. People wouldn't complain that they got 18 seconds for their $50. They loved the spectacle. He just walked to the middle of the ring. You could see the fear on the other guy's eyes. Yes. Knew he was going down. Yes. And then when Mike got up and he was kind of wobbly, I could see the, the referee kind of saying, it's over, Mike. It's over. And it was shocking. It was okay. Afternoon underdogs, seven ninety KRD. Uh, we've got Nick Curran. He's going to come on. He's the voice of the women's basketball team at U of L and the voice of the Louisville Bats. We're going to have him on to talk about both those subjects. Um, we're also going to have Fred Cowgill, WLKY Sports. We'll have in on, him on to talk about college basketball and some gambling. Um, but at first, this is the thirtieth anniversary of Mike Tyson losing, which started. The downfall of the king. He was the king of boxing. He had ended um, heavyweight boxing. Then wasn't it is is isn't what it is what it is today. Like today, it doesn't exist. This was the height of it, mm. and he had four hundred million dollars in the bank. He was married to Robin Givens. Remember that's Robin. Robin Givens was this beautiful actress, one of the more popular actresses in Hollywood. She was gorgeous. And she married Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. And everyone said, this is the oddest couple was ever. Was that 21 Jump Street with Johnny Depp? No, she was on 
Oh, A Different World. Oh, that's it. That's and it. And a couple of those other TV shows. But then she did a movie with Eddie Murphy. Wobbin and Eddie. She played like a, she played the female version of Eddie Murphy in the movie. Like he was a player and a business guy, and she was the biggest player as he was. Best defense. No. Oh, that was Dudley Moore. No. And he was. Eddie Murphy was in it for five seconds. That's true. But Str- they always oh, say... Strategically they, starring. See, uh, right. Uh, yeah. After he broke, they, they they put the movie out and go, Ed, including Eddie right. Murphy. He's in it for five minutes. So, Mike Tyson loses to Buster Douglas. It's 42 to 1. I just got finished watching a bunch of video on this. They've got Don King and everyone else saying, this is a patsy. We're going to fight Evander Holyfield for huge sums of money. Mm-hmm. We need a fight in between. The reason they fought in Japan was because no one in America would buy it. New York, Vegas was like, we're not paying for a 10-second fight with this tomato can, Buster Douglas. And Mike Tyson treated him like a tomato can. Yes. But he couldn't put him down. So he goes over to Japan because it's the only place they would buy it. And Buster Douglas, they interview him and he says, you know, he was out of shape. He had, he had, had a reputation of in the middle of fights just giving up. And he was hearing all the noise of, hey, this guy is just a go-between. Right. He's a tomato can. And he's like, that's who I am now? So it upset him. I could try really hard for about three months. So he got in shape. Yep. And Mike Tyson did not. And then his granny died right before the match, which gave him a little bit more, dude, when your granny dies. That's right. I'm going to whoop your ass for granny. Mm -hmm. Granny's in heaven right now. It was Mike's fault. Mike did it. Granny's last words were, whoop his ass, Pete. Buster, Mike. Buster, Buster, stop standing on my hose. What? My hose. <laughs> uh, did you just call me a hose? No, I was, you were standing Stand on my up. oxygen hose. Oh. You were standing on my oxygen hose, beat, Buster. Beat Mike. Beat his ass. Start the reactor. Beat his ass. Um, so, Granny died. Buster went in there and whooped his ass. All right? Whooped his ass. I remember Danny Williams whipping his ass in well, Freedom Hall. That, but that, but that was the start. So oh, what happened yes. was that the, now the rumors start of what happened at Indianapolis and the hotel. Uh, Robin Givens was fleecing him. Robin yeah. Givens and his mo- and her mother were fleecing the four hundred million dollars Tyson had in the bank. We're just taking as much as they can, as much as possible. <laughs> and Mike Tyson is just this big. Dumb guy and just kind of going, okay. A lot, and, a lot of people attributed his downfall to his, his manager who kind of kept him on the straight and narrow and yeah. and gave him good advice passing away. Yeah. Um, Cusk D'Amato. Yeah. yeah. Yep. He uh, he taught him how to fight, and he was his manager. was kind of his dad situation. Um, so that was – it's very interesting because I always had – you, you got Buster Douglas because once the aura was gone, right. the invincibility was gone. And this happens to a lot of a lot of sports figures. I said it about uh, Tiger Woods when Tiger got Buster Douglas in a in a match on a Sunday with mm-hmm. the lead. I said he just got Buster Douglas, and then the rest of the golfers go, "What am I afraid of? I can beat him on Sunday." Right, and 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 things started to go south for Tiger with with Mike Tyson and Evander knew this too because he didn't have supreme power to take him down. Just box him, frustrate him, and tire him. If he can't take you down by about the fourth or fifth round, if you're a better boxer, you're going to beat him. Well, and then when you get, well, you spend three years in prison. 
your best three years. I forgot about that. A lot of lot. Look, Ali lost three years. So you lose three years with your best three years, and then you come back, and then you get in the ring with Holyfield, and you punch Holyfield as hard as you can. They won't go down. And Holyfield doesn't move. And at that point, you think, oh, my gosh, I won, actually, a bunch of money. I bet on Holyfield to beat Tyson that first matchup. Was that the ear or was that the second no, one? No, that the ear was the second one because it started to go the same way because right. Tyson just thought, well, maybe I'll get in better shape, but that didn't work it. Uh, I was sitting there in my apartment. I had about... 30 people there and we bought the fight and I saw the pregame interview Mm -hmm. and I saw Holyfield looked in the camera and said, God has given me strength to kill Mike Tyson today. And I said, a guy that worked at the station and a bookie because there was no, there was no, there was no websites or something you can go to. So I said, dude, do you still have a bookie? He said, yes. I said, give me a hundred dollars on Holyfield. It was fourteen to one. Aha! Uh-huh. And I said, give me a hundred bucks on Holyfield. And he goes, and everyone at the party says, no, 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 don't do, don't, don't do it, dude, don't do it. And I said, okay, fifty bucks. Give me fifty bucks no. on Holyfield. Yes, I went down half. And they said, okay, we'll call that one in. He called it in. I ended up winning six six hundred bucks for the fight. But I just never will forget that. And that was 30 years ago today and all the repercussions that followed after losing in Japan. And the status of the heavyweight division now? Who's heavyweight champ? I don't know. Is that still a Klitschko? I have no idea. It's it's been a joke for a very long time. Marrying our actresses and taking our titles. Uh, Then there was a very short period between um, who had the three bouts that were just crazy. Um, oh yeah, the Hearns Hagler stuff. Oh, I mean, that was those. that was middleweights. Those were yeah. middleweights. But the heavyweight ranks is kind of oh Riddick Bow and then you had Riddick Lennox Bow, Lewis. Yeah, yeah. Bow and Lewis. Those three matches were unbelievable. No, wait a minute. It was it was uh, Holyfield, wasn't it? it? Was Holyfield and Bow? It was Holyfield That's and Bow had the three. That's where the fan yeah. c- crashed into. Uh, remember the guy in the parachute? Oh, that's right, the skydiver. He crashed into one of those. Yes, those were great fights. All right. Okay, so today, again, going to be busy. We're going to talk about women's basketball for UofL. We're going to talk about these new baseball rules with Nick Hearn. Yeah, there's not anything in stone, but baseball's talking about tweaking the playoffs, combining, adding more teams with an element of reality television. Is it really a tweak, or is that just blowing it up and starting over? It's not blowing it up and starting it. It's adding wildcard teams and, and changing how they pick them. Okay, so I'm you add tell- a, ra- a wildcard round, and then the... The ones that get the bye get to choose their opponent. I'm yeah. sorry. That's unheard of in sports. Well, we'll dig it. That, that's a little ridiculous. That That's choosing. It's like, okay, the fat kid with his finger up his nose is getting picked last. But no. But I don't think that's a bad idea. Look, you choose who you think is the best matchup. It's not necessarily going to be the team that people think, right? right? That's true. That's true. And they want to do that on live television. But the one thing I've always hated, and if your team makes the wild card, like, I'm a Brewers fan and a Reds fan, so whoever's doing better, I kind of get behind. I start with the Brewers, but last year they're fighting for the division. They weren't going to be able to catch it, so the wild card was in their grasp, and they got that. So you play 162 games to make the playoffs, and then you play one game. Right. And they had it to, like, the seventh inning, and then it just hater blew up on us. But it's like, okay, after 162 games, can we at least get a two out of three? Right. I mean, you can't tell me that more games isn't a bad thing for Major right. League Baseball. No. Part of what I think this is... Turn the regular season back a little bit if you want to. This is a symptom of American sports has gone to this. Football is the only... The NFL is the only sport where the regular season means as much as the playoffs. Mm-hmm. 
Everything else is all about the postseason. The regular season baseball, yeah, dude, you're playing double headers. You can lose six in a row, and everybody's just like, eh, okay. Uh, college basketball, no one really cares about the games they're playing right now. Make the tournament. We, the fans do. U of L fans care about U of L playing Georgia Tech tomorrow. No one else does. No one cares. Uh, the Duke North Carolina game. Yeah, it was interesting because of that right. rivalry is is whatever, but no one really cares about that game. Everyone cares if you make it to the second week in the in the tournament. That's it. What seed were you? And how far did you go? That's the measurement. No one else cares. So I think baseball is trying to figure out. They're like, look, let's add more playoffs. Well, and if, if the Reds are out of it and they're on TV almost every day, how many of us when they're, let's just say they're 35 and 70, which isn't going to happen this year thanks to all the money they spent, but how many of us are watching that, spending three and a half hours to four hours yeah. watching that? Yeah. Going to the game like going to the bats, different experience. No, yeah, it's different. its own thing. Mm-hmm. You don't care what the records are. Right. But as far as sitting in your living room watching four hours of baseball when the game doesn't really matter at all, not happening. Yeah, it don't don't mistake me for saying that no one cares about the games that go to the games. You go to the games for a completely different experience, right? Like Clint will go to the bats game for the food, for the beer. Yeah, for the, and beer, the beer to watch the, the food beer, game. and then you go out to the overlook deck and you look at girls. Pretty much. Okay, that's that's pretty accurate. Admirable. The twenty somethings are out there on the overlook deck drinking the cheap beer and what and every once in a while. Looking out for a ball that's going to fly out there and might hit you in the head, but that's about it. And that's that, that's great. And then the families are closer to home base, and they're eating ice cream and having a great time. But it's about the experience. They did a study once where they asked the folks that were leaving the stadium, "What was the score?" And it was like eight percent of the people knew what the score. Was. Right. And there's always a couple guys down low, you know, with the score pad. Right, right. That's a six four three double play, <laughs> and doing that. Like you ever go back and do that? But I, I'm the guy that wants to blow up baseball completely and have two half seasons. Instead of getting to 162 games, right. at the 81 mark, you have a division winner. And then instead of having fire sales at the bottom, maybe a couple of teams in the in, in the bottom half of the division get some starting pitching back. Right. And a guy gets hot. They start thinking, instead of selling our team, we've got a shot in the second half. So now fans are interested again at right. the middle of the season. So after the All-Star game, right at 81 games, you start 0-0 zero and zero again. So the, let's say the Reds win the first well, what, half. What's winning the division mean halfway through the season? And what do you do at the end of the year? You, if say the Reds win the first half and the second half, then they get a bye. Then then they're the winners of the Central. Oh, okay. If the Reds win the first half, Cubs win the second half. They have a series to determine the division champion. Oh, but that way every team is still kind of interested, and the fan base gets a reset at eighty-one games. That's kind of a good idea. If you're twenty and sixty-one, you're like, who cares now? That's kind of a good idea. But if you win eight of your last ten. And your guys are getting healthy. You're thinking, okay, wait a minute here. So you don't have to do the the wild cards if you don't want to. You just do that. But so I, I'm I'm not a big tradition buster. You know, you can't change baseball at all. Well, off season, this is when you have the discussion. Monday night football now is looking to switching to a flex schedule. Yeah. Sunday night football starts at midway through the season, right? They have it all set, and then they start to go flex. Well, duh, duh. Yeah. the only uh, the only drawback is Sunday night football is just moving a four o'clock kick or a one o'clock kick to an eight o'clock kick. That's easy. But if you move it an entire day, that can mess up uh, NFL teams. But I think that Monday Night Football wants to compete with Sunday Night Football in any realm. They're going to have to go to the flex. And if they're going to spend more and more money, they're going to want to pick some good games. Yes. You're going to have to commit to, say, four or maybe six weeks. Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of get a feel for who's going to suck and who's going to be really good, must-see TV, and then adjust the second-half schedule. Right. Yeah, so, again, if you looked at Monday Night Football matchups at the end of the season, they were awful. 
But you look at the Sunday night matchups. What was the last one? It was the one with the playoff implications. It was Seattle and 49ers, right? With a, with a tackle at the one yard line. Right, right. Uh, d- determined the one seed, right? No, Sunday night football has left Monday night football in the dust. No, there's no doubt. No, oh, there's no doubt. So yes, Monday not night to mention football. the booth on Monday night Get football is pretty weak. High school wrestling. High school what? wrestling state championships. No, continue. You can snore. Okay, go ahead. Just finish up. Uh, high school wrestling championships is this Saturday or Friday and Saturday. We can't do it on one day. There's no, too you much can't. action. Hello. All Tech Arena. Got a kid that's interested in wrestling. Go to the state championships. The finals will be around 4 or 5 p.m. on Saturday, but there'll be good wrestling all day Saturday. Are you going to go, you gonna go because you miss sitting in the gym all day? I am going to go because I know so many of the kids. Oh, and, cool. And I want to go watch them wrestle. And there's some of them that are wrestling for the last time. So uh, I think a bunch of them have a good chance to, uh, to win some championships or at least get podium. If you podium, they go podium one through six in state championships. So support your local wrestling. The, uh, 32 LKY, our partner actually did a story on the women's division. They started a women's division about two years ago and it's trying to catch on, but yeah, it's not doing well. But hopefully it will. Quick shout out. I, I followed the Bucks when I lived in Wisconsin. I kind of adopted the Packers and the Brewers and the Bucks. Giannis Attentacumpo, probably the best player in the NBA right mm-hmm. now. Okay. He and his girlfriend had a baby. Her name is Mariah. So you think, and congratulations, everyone's healthy, missed the game last night, but they won anyway. Right. Um, so her name's Mariah. So you think, Maracas girls would do this, right? They, they'd picture the last name of the guy they're going to marry. Right. And they're thinking, okay, Mariah Attentacumpo. <laughs> Right? So she's probably thinking, maybe I'll hyphenate. Yes. Maybe I'll keep my name. Yes. Despite the money. Attenza Campo's better. What's her maiden name? Riddlesprigger. <laughs> Mariah Riddlesprigger Attenza Campo. Congratulations, Giannis and Mariah. How did, how did your, how do you get a Riddlesprigger? Here, how look, did, I mean, look at it in, in print. How did, that is ridiculous. Riddlesbringer. R-I-D-D-I-L-E-S-P-R-I-G-G-E-R. Riddlesbringer. How do, how do you, how do your generations ago not change that name? Just go Riddle. Right, right. Riddle. Or Springer. Yes. Either one of them. Yes. Choose one. Pick one. Hey, we've decided we're going to kind of lose the other half, half part. Hey, Riddlesbringer. Hey, Riddlesbringer. What's your favorite Batman villain? And thank you, Coach Joker. Rudolph. Thank you, Coach Rudolph. He said podium is one through eight, not one through six. There you go. I'm sorry about that for this. All weekend. right. Um, I knew right. that. You did not. When we come back. Oh, by the way, Nick Coffey on his way to Atlanta. Ah. So you'll see him on TV tomorrow night because he was on the other day or when he went down to or he traveled to Pittsburgh. Uh, he went there. So he's trying to travel on. Uh, he's doing it the cheap way. He's just driving. So. Oh, and we have a confirmation from one of our favorite sons. <gasps> who is going to be on the show? Oh yes, Friday this week Friday. at three twenty-five. No, 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 we're not telling you who it is. Okay, we're going to make it a surprise. One of our favorite sons, right here on the afternoon underdogs, who grew to grew to be a man. He grew to be a star under our tutelage. He grew to be a star. It's not who you think. Mm-hmm. It's the other one. Wait, so who's, Nickel- the, who's the other one? I'll tell I, you I know what one. I'm thinking I, of because I, I booked him. But okay, uh, no, I know who's the, the other, other one. one. Uh, I know the other one. Oh, you're thinking, oh, you're thinking, yeah, the of, other guy. you're thinking of Jordan? Not that guy. No, not that guy. The other one. Oh, I know what you're saying. Yeah. So we'll have Nick Coffee on with us live from Atlanta tomorrow. All right. To kind of break down the game. Plus we'll have sign, uh, sound from Coach Mack and I believe, uh, one of the players. So we'll have that too. Uh, big game tomorrow. Georgia Tech. Not really. I think they'll take care of business on the road. They will, but we'll find out. All right. Back after this with Nick Curran. 
on 790. Back 790 KRD. Yeah, that's my part. The afternoon underdogs, Tony Vanetti and Dave Jennings. We bring in the voice of the women's Cardinals and the Louisville Bats. Bats baseball. The name of our game is fun. Hello, Nick Curran. Hey, how are you? Guys? You're in midseason form already. Tony. <laughs> yeah, don't don't stroke it. I, I I can't wait to start doing the commercials because I I love bat season, and of course the games are right here on 790 uh, KRD. Nick, uh, let's let's start with these baseball rules, these possibility of changing the postseason for the playoffs. I saw this and wanted, and Dave, go ahead. I know that it's, it's it can be difficult to follow, yeah, uh, but it's, it's interesting. They're trying to add more games and have more teams make the playoffs. So you'd have three division winners under the proposal and four wildcard teams in each league. So seven teams from each side, National League and American League, would make the playoffs. Teams with the best record in each league get wild round by, wildcard round buys. Two other division winners and the top wildcard team host all of the games and then the two other division winners get to pick their wild card round opponents during live television from the other three wild card teams. I get what they're trying to do, Nick. What do you think about this? This could go into effect in 2022, but it would have to be ratified by the players' union and ownership. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of pushback from the uh, from the players' union. At least it seems that way. You know, initially, Trevor Bauer, the Reds pitcher, was out on Twitter. Uh, last night, in no uncertain terms, not really uh, on board with with potential changes. I, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting because y- you have you, you get more teams in the playoffs, so theoretically, more teams, more fan bases are interested in the season. It's a long season, and if your if your team's out of it in June, um, it can be difficult to to care the rest of the way because obviously not really playing for anything. And um, now there could be more spots. So that could be a good thing to keep more people invested longer. Um, I have always hated the one game wild card, which is the way it is now. I I hate it. I hate the one game setting. I I think it's silly. Baseball is not a one game sport. It's a game of series. So at least now um, if, if this goes into effect in a couple of years, you have, a scenario where you're talking about basically six play-in series to get to the divisional round instead of a couple of one-game situations. So I like that. that They would do it all. All those six series would be in one ballpark, so the the better record team would get to host, which is kind of interesting. So, you know, an incentive to to have a good record or to even be the best wild-card team if you don't win the division. So, Overall, those changes may be good, keeping more people interested longer. I, you know, I'm kind of a traditionalist though. I just like the the way it was. I like three division winners and a wild card team. I thought that was pretty perfect. And um, you know, I always thought it was special in baseball as opposed to the other maybe professional sports leagues. The NFL, you know, you get 12 teams in the playoffs, so it's not a huge amount. But the NBA, practically everybody makes the playoffs. Uh, I mean, you get 16 teams. Uh, I've always thought Major League Baseball, it's kind of a special thing to be able to make the playoffs uh, because only eight teams total make the playoffs, or or now 10, I guess, with a wild card playing, but still not a very high percentage of teams. If you make the playoffs, you're accomplishing something. Um, But, you know, this would expand it, and and I I get it. Uh, you're, You're trying to 
add some interest. And you're, there's also complicated issues about teams spending money and and uh, trying to get teams to spend money. There's a thought that you know some teams maybe are are a little bit hesitant to to spend money and are okay with losing because it, it doesn't really affect their bottom line. So if they have a lesser payroll, it just means they're profiting uh, more money. So maybe more playoff spots would encourage more teams to spend money and go after it to try to be in the playoffs and try to win. So there's a lot of complicated issues that go into it. Um, ultimately, I like, you know, just give me the the eight teams, and and I don't need a one game wild card play in. But um, I I think I'm, you know, uh, a seventy year old tat trapped in a thirty one year old body. <laughs> no, so I, I was going to lose on that. I was going to say yeah. you're the young guy. Come on, man. We need you to yeah. be on board with this. Now the old guys fought the wild card, but if if we only change one thing, let's at least do a two out of three in the wild card round. Yeah, see, I would be on board with that. I would, I would really like that. Um, but you know, I think the proposed changes. I think I like them better than a one-game wild card. Uh, at least you'd have series. Uh, it's the other part of it that's interesting to me is what does that team that is the top seed in each league do? Um, I, you know, they get to rest, which is good. So you get to set your pitching rotation and that sort of thing, and everybody gets. You know, there's a lot of nicks and bruises that come over the course of a 162 game season, but. Uh, it's a long time to be off. You don't have four or five days off over the course of a baseball season. So that's a weird thing for that team. Yeah, Let's talk about the kookiest thing out of this whole deal, which is the live television broadcast of of the team picking the team. It would be phenomenal because everyone would think, well, they're just going to pick the weaker team. No, these coaches like matchups and they, and they know which team they match up with uh, better. And it's just, I can't imagine the TV numbers and just the absolute circus surrounding what team they're going to choose to play. The NFL draft night, which, by the way, is not done in sports in any sport. There's no, they don't do it in cricket. They don't do it in professional volleyball. No one chooses their a playoff opponent. It's crazy. Is it a little bit of a distraction from – you think they throw this out there to kind of distract from the negativity that's been going around about baseball the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I think that's part of it. Um, I think they are trying to find ways to reach younger audiences. Everyone loves reality TV nowadays, I guess, and this is sort of Major League Baseball meets – the bachelor sort of like <laughs> yeah. we'll give you this rose and we'll yeah. play you. Yeah. Um, and analytics folks are going to love it because they get to put all this work into determining what the most optimal matchup is for the team may have, right. yep. um, which, which will be interesting. So, yeah. And I think these TV deals, they're up after 2021, they get negotiated pretty far out. Um, you know, they want something, they want this out there so they can float it to potential TV partners that they're going to shake up the playoff structure. There's going to be more playoff games in the inventory. So hopefully they can fetch, um, better TV deals. They want, you know, TV, uh, companies that may be bidding on this and, and networks to, to understand that there's going to be more games and they can get more money for a TV deal. Uh, the players union's probably going to offer some pushback. The collective bargaining agreement's also up. Um, in the next couple of years, and they're already going back and forth on all that. So, hey, um, you know they they can't really nail down what the what the playoffs are going to look like until the union approves it. So, you know, as as they're sort of trying to find TV suitors, I think that they want to send the message that there's going to be more playoff games because that's what the 
that's what the networks want. The highest rated games are playoff games and, and even more higher rated among them are winner take all games. So you'd be creating a situation where you have these six sort of uh, divisional round play in series. You know, game one in each of those six series is another playoff game. Game two is is a clinching game for somebody. Uh, one team would have the opportunity to clinch the round, and then if you go to a game three, it's obviously a winner-take-all. So you're adding more of those situations and more of the games that draw the best TV numbers into it, and that's why they want it, and that's uh, what they're looking for is, is, a, is a big TV deal or a couple with a couple of networks coming up here in the next couple of years. All right, old baseball soul, let me give you my fix for baseball. Oh, wait, get, it, get, it, get ready, Nick. Here we go. As far as keeping the fans interested, so here's what we do. We have half seasons. We play 81 games, then the All-Star break, and then 81 more games. We note the winner. Say the Reds win the Central in the first half. They are in, sure. the, they are in the playoffs. If they win the second one, they have locked up the Central, and they don't have to play in a series. Let's say that in another division, two teams each win a half. They would then have a series to be able to advance. Same thing with the other divisions. And then there's one wild card team to get you four uh, from each section. And that wild card team would have the best record so everybody of starts, all the non-division winners of halves. So that way... So after All-Star Weekend, everybody starts 0 You're 0 zero. So let's say you're a team that was really awful in the first half. They were, you know, 11 and, and 30 or whatever it is. Uh, my math is really bad right now. So let's say that, that, that that's what happened to them. But they're starting to get healthy. Their pitchers are coming back. A couple of guys are getting hot. They won eight of their last ten going into the All-Star break. And instead of having a fire sale, they think, wait a minute, I like our team right now. We've got a chance on the second half. Crazy idea? No, I mean, that's what sort of, in a slightly different sense, what a lot of minor leagues do. They have a first-half winner and a second-half winner, mostly because of all the roster fluidity in the minor leagues. When a season starts in April, a team looks nothing like that when you get to the end of the season on Labor Day, so that's why they do it. Uh, I don't think it's that bad of an idea. I think it would be kind of interesting. Um, the major hole to poke in, like, I would find that kind of entertaining. You know, you reset halfway through. Um, the old baseball soul in me says, no, I want to see what happens over the entire season. And there should be something said for the consistency over the entire year. Um, but you know, I, I think it would be an interesting shakeup. The one hole to poke in that is the all-star game is not actually at the midway point of the season. No, you could arrange so, that. You could change yeah, that though. You, you, you could, but here's going to be the problem where it is now. It's, it's right there after the NBA Finals, the NBA Draft, all that before the NFL preseason really gets going. If you move it to June, which you would have to do to get to the midway point of the season, you'd be, I think, probably putting it somewhere either during, probably during the NBA Finals. And um, I don't think TV partners are going to go against the, you know, the the juggernaut that kind of is the NBA Finals and, and what those games draw. So I think that would be the major logistical problem uh, is that the all-star game for Major League Baseball would no longer kind of stand on its own. Um, I think that's the biggest issue. Well, I don't know. I think that would be kind of interesting. It would keep. It would do the same thing that they want to do now, keep more teams involved. I mean, literally everybody would be back in it at the halfway mark. Um, so it, it would be interesting. You would take away the – the you know the the hundred win juggernaut teams that that run away with the division early and and I don't know I, I think there's an argument to be made for you know if you're that good you should be rewarded for it but but I guess you could win both halves and still be rewarded for well, it yeah I mean that you, way you so still you still have a total record to figure out the wild card teams or you know best record not already in the playoffs and the Yankees were still going to be a juggernaut 
where the reset, they'll still have a total wins, 119 right. or whatever the heck it was. All right, baseball guys, let's move to women's All basketball. Right. All right. Uh, so, <laughs> two, look, the, the storyline was their Louisville women's basketball is on a roll. They're crushing it. They got one defeat. It was 21 to one, I think, before they, they played the USA team. That was an incredible experience. You and I, we, we talked about it here on the show, how an incredible experience that was to play them, but they got smashed in the second half. So normally when you drop the next two games, which is an unusual, well, Florida State's a good team, uh, but Syracuse was kind of a surprise uh, with that one, but it was on the road. So uh, no harm, no foul there. But what's, you know exactly what's going to happen. The storyline is going to be, hey, did Team USA wreck the Cardinals? Your thoughts, Nick Curran. Yeah, I've seen that narrative out there. I don't think so. I mean, it's a game that doesn't count. Uh, I think, you know, Louisville's players are aware enough to know that they're going against some of the best players in the world. Everybody on that team was a, a WNBA all-star. Seven of them were number one overall picks in the WNBA. I think they had another number two overall pick. So, like, you know, if you go eight deep onto the Team USA roster, everybody was either a number one or number two overall pick in the WNBA draft. <laughs> So, I mean, yeah. that's like, you just, I, I don't know. I don't think that it really has that. I think everyone looked at it as a, a really cool experience, played with them, right with them in the first quarter, in the third quarter, you know, in the fourth quarter, a, a lot of the, the bench players for Louisville got in. So it was really one quarter where you look at it and it was extremely lopsided. I think Team USA had more time to practice in preparing for the cards than they did against a lot of the college teams. Um, they've proven they can have a bad day. They lost to Oregon in November. They were really tight with Nigeria in the Olympic qualifier on Sunday. They ended up uh, overcoming a 14-point halftime deficit to win by five. So uh, I just don't think they had that kind of a day at the KFC Yum Center. They were firing on pretty much all cylinders. And um, I, I don't think that hurts the confidence. I, I do think that you know, Elizabeth Balagoon was away from the team to play for that Nigerian national team in the mm-hmm. Olympic qualifier, and her team did qualify for the Olympics. And Jeff Walls has been pretty vocal about, you know, if you want to recruit international players, that's going to be part of it because right. they want to go play for their country. And what, what greater honor is there right. to now be able to, to play in the Olympics because they qualified? So, you know, that's that's part of it, and, and I think they did miss her. I think she spaces the floor. She's a good shooter from the outside, and, and just her presence and having to respect her outside shooting uh, was tough against both Florida State and Syracuse. Florida State's a really good team. They always play Louisville tough. Syracuse has, uh, especially in their starting five, about as good a starting five as you'll find in the ACC. And um, always going to the Carrier Dome. It's, you know, traditionally Louisville's played close games there. So, I mean, I don't think there's anything to panic about. A really tough one coming up Thursday night, and if Louisville could go on the road and beat NC State, who's now a top-five team and in front of what it was probably going to be a sold-out crowd, um, everything's all right again. So we'll see what happens Thursday. Elizabeth Balagoon will be back, which will make a difference. And, and this is a Louisville team, I think, still trying to hit its stride completely. They played a lot of close games even before these losses. They've been able to dig a lot of them out. Uh, they only beat Syracuse by four at home, so that was a tight game. It's not like they blew them out. Beat Duke by four. Uh, a number of tight ACC games, and I think when you play enough close games, uh, sometimes – the law of averages get you and they start going the other way every now and again. And that's something uh, Jeff Walls has been on his team about too, is when you have the opportunity to, to really put a game away to do it. And in a couple of those, they weren't able to. And, and obviously uh, you play in enough close ones. Sometimes they bite you. And I think that's what we saw the last couple, couple games. Well, coaches will say there's no such thing as a good loss, but 
if you're just finding ways to win, you find yourself 20-1, and one, you start to feel a little invincible, even though it's a little bit of fool's gold because the games are close. I think Jeff Walls, well, maybe not saying that was a good stretch of a couple of games there, but certainly some teachable moments. Overconfidence should be out the window now. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. And I don't, he'll never say that, you know, there's a good loss, I don't think. But he, um, I think there's a lot of stuff. The offense for the Cards has looked uh, pretty stagnant the last couple of games. Uh, Florida State's always known to be a tough defensive team, but, you know, only scoring 51 points against Syracuse. Cards played pretty good defense in both those games when they were following the scouting report, but, um, just couldn't find anything offensively and trying to get this team back into that, that tempo he likes to see in that offensive rhythm and certainly a lot of teachable moments. And, um, you know, I, I think having Balagoon back on Thursday night will be big to, to help space the floor and, um, I, I just give everybody a little bit more room to operate. You know, they brought in Jessica Limley to start the second half on Sunday and, and, you know, uh, she hit a three early in the half and really just seemed to spark the offense. And Louisville got it to within four, got a bunch of stops in a row, but could never capitalize and score to, to cut into the lead even more than four points. So, uh, you know, I, I think he's got his team's full attention. I don't think there's any doubt about that. There's still a lot of games to be played down the stretch and, and then into the postseason. And I think they'll be fine, but I, I don't think they'd ever completely gotten to the point where he wanted them to be uh, before this stretch. And so I, I think they were still trying to get there, and I think they still are, and, and a couple of losses don't really change that. Uh, please apologize to your partner there on uh, the women's games. I don't, I can't remember her name. It's, it's escaping me now. But I wanted to mention her because there is no one that calls basketball like her partner. She is – I wish they, the men's game had more people that she, she – uh, she has so much passion for the game, and she has. And Nick, you know what I'm talking about when she's like, she she will just flat out say, "That's terrible. That that was." Te-. She knows better than that. They've been working on that. I can't believe she just did that. She she calls the game. You and Nick, you guys are a great pair. Yeah, Adrian Johnson, AJ. Yes. She's awesome. She's a, a Louisville native. Went to Butler. Played in the WNBA. Uh, played her college ball at Ohio State. Was part of a national runner-up team there, and has been on staff um, at U of L. Even going back to the year before Jeff Walls got there, she has seen it all the entire Jeff Walls era. Is part of the women's basketball staff, and I think that gives her a unique perspective. Right. You know, she's not just the uh, the color analyst coming in to to watch games and go to practice a little bit and, and kind of see it. She's in it every day. She's on staff. And I think uh, her that, along with, with her playing days and being a great player, gives her a really unique perspective on she knows exactly what this team's supposed to do. She sees them practice every day. Right. She, uh, she plays, so she knows what it's like to be out there. And I think all that combined uh, gives her a great perspective. And you're right. She's, she, uh, she knows what is supposed to be happening. <laughs> she sees it every day. And she's if it's awesome. not, she's going to say it. And she, I think it's awesome. I, I think people love to hear does. that. Yes. Um, there's no sugarcoating. And no. I think that's, uh, no. that's a pretty great thing. It really is. And you're just, you're, you're a great yin to her yang. And, uh, and I've, again, I've never heard anyone call a game like she does. And you have a great style also, but it's just fun to listen to. And I hope people give it a chance if they've never heard you guys call a game it's right here on 790 we appreciate you nick curran well appreciate the kind words i hope people do tune in um aj's worth uh 
worth the tuning in for a couple of minutes because I think I agree with you. There's no one really like her to, to listen to. It's it's awesome. And uh, yeah, if the officials miss a call, we'll let you know about that too. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm you sure. guys get after it. It's awesome. Okay, quick question for you. Giannis Attentacumpo and his girlfriend had a baby. All are doing well. Her name is Mariah Riddlespringer. So if you're Mariah and you guys get married, are you Mariah Attentencumpo, Mariah Riddlespringer, or Mariah Riddlespringer Attentencumpo? <laughs> I uh, I think uh, I don't think you want to go double last name there. I think you just keep it. I think you just keep one of the uh, large syllable last names, and I I don't know maybe. Uh, Maybe Greek, Mrs. Greek Freak, or easier for everybody. There you go. All right, Nick Curran, man. He calls the women's games at UofL and, of course, Louisville Bats, man. Have a great day. Thanks for the time, Nick. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. See you, man. Thank you, Nick. I'm telling you, them two together, he's perfect because he's very calm and he's, he's, he's obviously play by play. She's right. color. So she, she does the, she gets on the girls. She knows. Oh, I can't believe, I can't believe she just did that. How many times have we told her not to do that? And they talk about the game. Right. How many times now yeah. when you're watching television, they'll go a five minute stretch. Yeah. Talking about, I don't know what they're talking about, right. yeah. but it ain't the game I'm their watching. Their golf game. Yeah, they're yes. talking about their golf game and the last charity event. By the way, did you to. see in the, uh, was it the, oh, it was the Florida State Duke game last night, where they're broadcasting from? Mm -hmm. So Jay Billis and his announcer, they're up in, on this, like, this, this terrace level. Yeah. But they have piping over them. So there's like conduit and pipes, and Billis's head is like six inches away from the pipe. It's oh, like, really, Duke? Duke? That's where, yeah, that's where yeah. you stick the broadcasters? Yeah, okay. Uh, we went late. So, truth, hang on, man. Truth, Ooh. hang on. We got the truth. What has happened? We'll find out. Coming back after this. The Afternoon Underdogs with Tony and Dave on 790. You fly the space shuttle through that Say segue. what? You can fly the space shuttle through that segue. Yeah. A giant gap. Put the bong down, Clint. <laughs> you know what helps? What? Is when I click an actual button instead of just clicking the screen to oh, play yes. music. Oh, yes. That's actually worse. It's usually a good thing. You think you think the digital end would go. I don't know if I'm soft with the buttons or not, but I'll hit them. Like, I'll hit enter, and it won't take. Yeah. It's like, I know I pushed the button down. I know I clicked the mouse. I heard the click, and it's not working. Is that I just get, me? No, I get that all the time, too. Yes. Look, be hard on the button. 425-0500. Hey, hey. 25 again. Uh, the truth. What has truth. happened? What's happening with y'all? What, what you doing? Well, hey, Tony, let me uh, give University of Louisville a shout out. Is uh, it all right? Yeah, go, shout away. Go with it. Well, I, I'm not going to say the sport. I, my daughter uh, came to visit Louisville in the last three weeks. Mm -hmm. I want to. I I want to first thank the University of Louisville. Uh, the fences, how they treated my wife. I didn't want them to know everybody. I didn't want everybody to know that was my daughter and my mm. wife come to visit University of Love. First place, y'all treat them with respect, and I thank y'all for that. That really touched my heart. Uh, my daughter is getting in the medical field. She plays a sports here, and I'm not going to say what sports she plays, and she's real good. And y'all left a great on my daughter. Oh, that's awesome. That. Cool. That's, that's awesome. That, you that's should be cool. very proud yeah. of your daughter. That's great. Uh, well, you know, I mean, you know, you, when you get up in the age and uh, you love sports, but, you know, you know how people is. They know, well, hey, that's true, daughter. You know how he put down school. 
And I, I, in the last four years, I have not told people what sport my daughter play because there is idiots out there would say stuff to your kids, and I ain't that safe because you disrespect my daughter. We got problems. Right, no, Any there's no doubt. Would do that. Yeah. Uh, but I just want to let y'all know that uh, if, you know, I'm, I ain't been, you know, when you're, your daughter is a good athlete and people tell you, you know, uh, your dad is this and that and people, you know, including doing all this stuff. But I appreciate how University of Louisville, they really touched my heart. And, you know, I don't say that much uh, about University of Louisville, but wherever school she makes a choice, uh, it's uh, left up to her. Hey, Truth, what's up with uh, your what's up with your Hoosiers? Is there some locker room issues there or something? Green. Who That's the problem? Who Mr. Green? Yeah, all right. Ah, uh, you know, the Mr. Cool Boy. Uh, I think he should have been put off. He should have been kicked off the team a long time. A lot of people don't know. You know him and Romeo got in a fight last year. He had, he had Romeo in the face. Yesterday and when he, last year when they set him out of game, he fought Romeo in the face. Green been a problem. He's Mr. Cool Boy and uh, she's from New York and his brother play in the NBA. His family got a little money. He think he can do what he wants, but he should have been put off the Indiana team. Well, I need you to listen tomorrow, Truth, because Clay uh, Clay's going to come on. Clay Abel's is going to come on and say why Bob Knight was a mistake to come back to IU. Truth, it's good to hear. From you. He had an answer on that one. He did. Cool boy's going to be pool boy if he doesn't shape up. Love the truth. We love you, truth. Hope your daughter goes to U of L. All right. 790. KRD. It's the afternoon underdogs on Cards Radio 790 KRD. Now, here's Tony Vanetti and Dave Jennings. Ooh, I like this. Oh, yeah. What's up? Coming up this hour, sports legend Fred Calgill to talk about sports gaming and college basketball. We're going to bring our buddy Dwight in here for a little bit later on in the hour. Just for stupidness. Got to do good a, at that. Got to do an official stupid segment. Yes. Most of them end up that way, but. Yes. Yes. We talked about Buster Douglas. It's 30 years ago today. 30 years ago today. today. 42 and 1. He upset Mike Tyson in Japan. It was a brutal fight at the end there. It was so sad. Well, not sad, but Tyson's crawling around the mat. He can't get his mouthpiece no, it back was. in his mouth. And he had a knot over his eyeball. And it was just like, oh my God. Gosh, he what just happened? Been hit like that for a long time and did not see it coming in Japan. That was going to be a little, yeah, let's squeeze a fight in, make a couple of bucks before the real fight. And it's like any movie and any story you've ever seen. Out of nowhere, young kid beating people up, $400 million, marries the Hollywood starlet. Robin? You get beat up, next stop, jail. You get divorced, she took half your money, and your manager took the other half of your money, and you get what you get now, face tattoo. Yep, and then once he got beat, obviously the, the aura, the fear factor was gone for Mike Tyson. It used to be, I mean, I remember watching this, and you, you'd just be sitting there, be almost like the guy's trembling, I, I can't go out there, I can't go out there. Yep. And Mike's just moving his head back and forth like yep. this, just not bouncing out there, not, not, not dancing around, walking to the middle of the ring, and you're going down. And when Buster didn't go down... Mike got frustrated, Buster got energized, and down he went. In the age of fancy robes and, and showtime and all that, after Ali, everybody tried to be Ali. 
here's this guy, this kid from the Bronx comes out, or Brooklyn, wherever he's from, and he cuts a hole in a white towel and puts the towel over his head and where that's his robe. Is a plain white towel you would see at any gym. He cuts a hole big enough for his head to fit through, and that's his robe. And he's in black shoes, black socks, and black trunks, and that's it. And you're thinking, this dude is going to murder someone in the ring. That's what it was. You thought Mike Tyson is going to kill someone in the ring. I mean, it was devastating. He loses, and then everything went downhill from there. It was just a, it's just an amazing story. Now, of course, He's doing a lot of interviews. He owns a marijuana farm in California. Of course he does. Right. I mean, not just a farm, but it's a hotel. It's like a Napa River kind of, a Napa Valley thing, where it's like the wineries, but no, or Bourbon Trail. This is marijuana. So it's a hotel. So it's get, a five-star restaurant. You get you get like a flight of pot. Yes. Like, Here, here's, old, yes. here's old hippie pot. Every, <laughs> here's some enhanced. You stay in the and hotel. here's the stuff that killed Elvis. On this beautiful California ranch in the hills of California. And you stay in the hotel and then there's, and then you take the tour and then the five star restaurant, everything on the plate has, has marijuana in it. <laughs> Clint, you are just laughing. Wow. And what's this place called? Yeah, right. Uh, so Mike Tyson owns this place. It opened the day California legalized marijuana. They had it already ready to go and they said, we're waiting on it. Is Robin Given sniffing around again? I don't know what happened to her. She was, she started in an Eddie Murphy movie. She did Playboy in 94. Which was four years after Buster Douglas, so I don't know if she needed money at that point. Um, yeah, there was, that wasn't we, much going on at that not point. Not that Ian Vertries and I looked that pictures up on our computers at the station. She looked pretty good. Someone else's computer? She looked pretty good. Oh, no. My HR file is so big. I, I don't care about that stuff. <laughs> like, that's it? Dude, that's what you got me on? Oh, thank God. At least, at least you didn't wreck a vehicle. That's awesome. <laughs> that cost us money. Um yeah, so there you go. Uh, the picture, everyone was talking about that picture last week where Denny Crum was was diagramming a play or, or coaching, looked like he was coaching Chris Mack. And everyone fell in love with that picture, including me. I just, it just felt good to see that happening, right? Because we know Denny's getting up in his age. Still, still got it all going. Oh, yeah. But he's, he's still getting, he's getting up there. Um, you worked with him for a lot of years. You know that what that means to be involved with the basketball program to that end. One of the last shows that we did, we got everybody excited with the theory. This is before David Padgett came in to coach the Louisville Cardinals. Yep. We know there was yep. going to be one year, unless he did something spectacular, but it yep. was going to be a year just for someone to, to yep. helm the ship. Yep. And we thought, with a little help yep. from some assistants, mm -hmm. Denny should have been the man to do that year. Could you have imagined... Going into the Yum Center, one of those opponents nobody cared about, but for the first time hearing, and your coach of the Louisville Cardinals, again, Denny Crum. You don't want to get me started. I can't I'll even imagine how much fun that would have been. You don't want to get me started, because I'm going to start screaming on the radio. But I knew exactly how much time they did, they took to decide that David Padgett was going to be the coach. About 60 seconds. It was about three, three of them in a room. They discussed it for 60 seconds, and David Padgett was the coach. Players like him, right? Okay, he's the guy. He's the guy. Hasn't coached. One eh, minute. One players minute. like him. One minute thought. I understand that they were scrambling, and everything was upside down. They just lost their Hall of Fame coach, and they were just, you know, and they had a national championship ripped, and everything was seemed to be upside down. Timeout. Timeout. Do something for the fans. And here's the crazy thing. 
people in this industry were coming up to Dave and I and going, that bit was hilarious. You know, where you were considering uh, Denny Crum to do the fill-in year? We weren't we're joking. Like, we're not joking. I don't know if he would have done it. Why would you think we're joking? But you want to sell out every single game that year? Scotty Dav- tough times. Scotty Davenport said, I have my son at Bellarmine. He can coach this team the year. UofL needs me. I can be the coach. Denny can be the head, the face of it, and he could be the coach during the game because that's what he was brilliant at anyway. That's what Al McGuire did. Al McGuire didn't do all the practices. He showed up on his motorcycle, coached the team, and then disappeared again. And there were three potential NBA first or second rounders on that team. It was a disaster what happened that year. People stopped going to the games. Don't. Oh. And then pay me. Oh, you got me all. I was I'm sorry. all in a damn good mood. That, and then you bring that up. Would have been so awesome. Can we get back to the photo? So. By the way, we'll ask Fred Cowgill about Chris Mack and his, his impressions. We think that is beyond a home run higher. We need f- another saying for oh, that. But that's, no doubt. Uh, yeah. that's incredible. Fred will come up here. Yeah, yeah. A bit. All right. So uh, Chris Mack, the picture with Denny Crum. And it looks like he's diagramming. So word comes out, Crum has told me several times he wanted to talk about the Syracuse zone. They talked about 10 minutes on how to attack it. End quote, Mac. And how cool is that? How cool is that? That his ego allows him to, most coaches are like, I don't take advice from anybody else. I know how to deal with the Syracuse zone. Yeah. And, oh no, yeah. And look, we're not going to get into how the last administration treated Denny. Because you don't want to hear what I know. Right. So not going to say that because we're all moved on. But Denny, Denny diagramming and helping Chris Mack out, even if Chris is just placating the old coach, even, which I don't think he is. He's not. And even if that's happening. Good, right? good, good coaches take bits of everyone they've ever learned from and are always still learning. Even if that's happening, it doesn't matter. He's with the coach. Why are you yelling? Because I'm excited that Chris Mack and Denny Crum are friends. What did the Kansas City Chiefs do? They took a play from the 1949 Rose Bowl. I know. Skinny ties come back. Yes. Fat ties come back. Well, hopefully not. the not. piano one. Not, not the, the skinny piano ties not coming back. I don't want the Wojo Barney Miller ties either. I kind of want gazebo. What What was the damn shoes? Does, uh, gazebo, those are big no, things. No, gazebos you, are you wooden uh, structures that sit in the back right. of your house. That, those would be Dutch shoes. But I would wear parachute pants. I'm sure you would. Zippers everywhere. Guess which one? Fat in my pack of cigarettes. Teach. Mm-hmm. Can't find them. There's 14 pockets. That's right. Just go ahead. Now behind pocket number two. <laughs> Whoops. But that was really cool. Mrs. McGillicuddy, you don't want to find this pack of cigarettes, do you? Mm-mm. You linger in there, that's Mrs. Not, that's, not a, that's not cigarettes. I, will, I also appreciated when, when Coach Cal came in, and, and Joe B. obviously worked on the show with us, and and he embraced him and former Kentucky people, unlike yes. the last regime. Yeah. And that was really cool. And it met, was. meant a lot to Joe and it a lot was. of the fans, too. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. That, that's good to see. Oh, my gosh. There's no doubt about it. All right. So the United, United States Senate is involved in uh, college athletics. They've been involved before. But right now they are looking into this, uh, the name, image, and likeness of the rights of the players. So that's going on, right? So douchebag Mark Emmert. He is the, uh, he's the president of the NCAA and has been for, I don't know, 14, 15 Too long. Years. He is the, in my opinion, the worst CEO, head of any organization or company in the history of American companies or organizations. He might be the first millennial. Take a stand, have some principles, make a stupid decision. All the bad things that happened to college athletics the last 15 years have been his fault. 
End of story. Lack of leadership is what we've been talking about for 15 years. Academic fraud? Nah. His fault. Okay, so he talked today. He says, um, we want to preserve the character and quality of the uniquely American phenomenon known as college sports. Starting now. They're looking at reform still. They're, they're talking still empty talk about reform that they know they're not going to do. They, they know are, it's over. They are hoping that the U.S. government comes in and sets a national policy to keep from being fragmented by, yes. by states that keep or start paying players yes. when others won't. The money that they're deserved because the universities are making millions of dollars off their likeness, but the kids aren't. Okay? It's it's so over, and that's my opinion. No one cares because it's too late. No one cares because it's too late. They stopped caring about teams cheating and doing other stuff years ago. That meant something 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Now, so many teams have been caught cheating. So many things have happened that there's been no repercussions except the UofL that people don't care anymore. The Houston Astros situation should have shut baseball down and there should have been some, there should have been committees and there should have been, we're going to, we're not moving a forward one inch until we solve what happened with the Astros. No, no one cares. A couple guys lost their jobs and the Astros fans will be annoyed by their little asterisk in some people's minds, but they still have the banners, they have the rings, they have the souvenir t-shirts. No one cares. But they're going to have to find a way so that and it's you know it's okay for kids to learn about about the market and market forces. I'm sorry that you're the third string linebacker on this team. You're not going to command no. the money that, that no no one's going to that Mikael Cunningham commands. The starting linebacker is not going to complain that Lamar Jackson got this amount of money on on one right. He's not going to complain because he knows he knows the we have, to, we have to lose this. All the women's field hockey players get the same amount of money as Mikael Cunningham. And no, it's not the market's got to handle this. That's you, the only way it's going to possibly do you work. Think Dave and I get the same talent fee for an endorsement as Terry Miners. We, we do, do not. not. <laughs> oh, they get two of us uh, for the for the one price. I think we're probably still below that. We're probably still below that. That's yeah. right. But you know who's not complaining? Us. Us. We're not. And that's the way it will be. The rowing team's not going to get a dime. You know why? Because you cost the university money. Bingo. Okay, when you start making money, then we'll start talking. But the rowing team costs university money. Uh, the volleyball team costs money, even though you probably, U of L volleyball probably has some ticket sales. However, if there are a couple stars on the volleyball team, Katie George played volleyball. She probably could have made a couple of bucks on the side. Oh. However, they can run camps, whatever it is right. that you can do. Yes. But allow them to do it. Now you've got to watch out for the, and, but it's going to be hard to police because they do it already. The booster car dealerships are like, Show up for a couple hours, I'll give you $1,000. But the more important issue is people now are like, I'm going to cheat because if you win, it's all that matters. So it doesn't really yep. care. North Carolina, when we sat on this show, before we left the underdogs last time, <sighs> that North Carolina thing came down. And we both looked at each other and said, this is the end of the NCAA. They don't know it yet, but this is the system. This is it. Because now you didn't hammer NCAA or North Carolina. Then this is it. Because everyone now will go, well... That's it. We quit. They had 20 years of fake classes. Wins and two titles possibly should have been pulled mm -hmm. under the guise of, well, 
there were some non-athletes that were benefiting from the class. So what you're saying by that logic, NCAA, that there are 20 years of academic fraud, mm -hmm. which goes right at the heart of your mission, mm -hmm. is that, sorry to bring this up again, mm -hmm. but if a couple of non-Louisville basketball players went to strip parties, by the Carolina logic, well, they weren't the only ones getting the benefits. Nothing to see here. Mark, Insanely moronic. How Mark Emmert has kept his job through Penn State, North Carolina, the Louisvilles, the, all this stuff. How he's kept his job. The one and done debacle. Allowing, look, it's an NBA rule. It's not an NCAA rule. I get that. But not working with the NBA in any capacity to stop them from siphoning all of the talent out of the NCAA over the last 10 years, 15 years, has been his biggest failure of all. You know why he's still in place? Because he's a douchebag? Cable TV deals. Conferencers are making more money than they've ever made. They don't see that the end could be near. They don't see it. All they see every year is that, oh, $74 million this year. That's okay, true. we're doing well. Who's in charge? Keep them there. No, you're right. You're right, man. Follow the dough. Follow the money. That's right. All right. Be like a buck. That's right. All right. So our buddy Fred Calgill, I've known him for 30 years. Uh, we actually, before he got married, we were real, he was a lot younger. We were younger. We used to go out to the Golden Nugget, have beers. Is it true? Hey! That, hey, is it true that's opening back up? Oh yes, they're re they're redoing the um, the Golden Nugget. They they gutted it because it was disgusting. Gutted inside. the Nugget. It was disgusting inside. Yeah, that was where I used to go dumpster diving. Yes, because that you would jump into a dumpster full of syringes and glass bottles. The dance floor. And then there's an alleyway or a, door, right. a, a, a hallway with the two bathrooms, very narrow. And out the back door was the giant green dumpster, and they would just roll, they'd slide that oh, sliding that window. Side, right. The window would be open. So you'd go from the dance floor, just all sweaty like that, and go do the Belushi, ah, and then run down the hallway, back door open, and you'd dive through that little window in the dumpster. But you'd always forget... Man, we're at the gold nugget. There's broken glass all in here. I would. You came out of that unscathed. Yeah. I would go look at Vanetti's done it three times tonight. Yeah. I'm going to give it a shot. Right, right. I would jump in there, yeah, right. cut my femoral artery, <laughs> right, right. and have a syringe sticking out of my head <laughs> right, and catch right, Hep C. Right. Right. That's how it would go for me. Well, this was early 90s. There weren't a lot of syringes around. Now that's, they're everywhere. But, uh, but you'd get little slices. I'd find it. You'd get little slices. So then you'd get out on the dance floor and there'd be blood all over you. And the girls would be like, oh, my God, what happened to you? You smell funny. What's going on with you? You're bleeding. I think I like it. And that was before people saw your blood and run the next. Right. Oh, my God, he's bleeding. Don't touch him. Now in college basketball. Oh, Hazmat! Hazmat! <laughs> you know he's got a contagious disease. You know he does. <laughs> There's a drop of blood on his uniform. Get rid of the uniform! Silver suits. Come on. <laughs> Get him out of here. Get the calipers. Don't touch him. Don't touch him. Don't touch him. All right. Are we going to get Freddie next? Yeah, we'll go. Uh, Dwight's running around. Dwight's going to pop in All here right. for the rest of the hour. We'll do a little conversation with Fred. We'll ask him about We got to talk about Chris Mack, and, and we love the guy, and I think Fred might too, and get his thoughts on college basketball in general, and then maybe uh, rap a little music with Dwight or something. All right, seven. Nine, How's that sound? That's cool. Is that a plan? Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. Parody.
It is that time of year, about a month away from conference tournament play, and then right after that is Selection Sunday. We'll have Monday Marathon again this year with the city's biggest celebrities, and we'll talk about what you're going to put on your bracket because that's what we do here in Louisville. We're the biggest town for college basketball. It's not even close. CBS will tell you the numbers will play out that for the last, I used to say 20 years, but I think it's even longer, we bring in our guy, sports legend Fred Calgill. What's up, Fred? Gentlemen, good morning. Hey, good morning. And hopefully we may have sports gaming coming our way oh, right now. We, oh, yeah. So we had representative... That would be a smart thing to do. We, we had representative uh, Jason Nemes on with us last week, and he said, you know what? Uh, and he's an attorney. He read through it, the Constitution. He goes... I'm not saying it's legal, but I'm saying it doesn't look like it's illegal at this point. At the end of the day, the, the legislature has to ask itself what it wants. It's got issues to solve. I mean, the teacher's pension crisis and all of that. I mean, there are lots of different layers to this, and there are very few new revenue streams that you can come up with. One, luckily, Derby City Gaming yeah. has become a new revenue stream, and now that's going to happen at Turf. Not a casino. Well. Not, not a casino. casino. Right. It is uh, uh, not expanded gaming because it is paramutual wagering. Uh, and it created almost a billion dollars in revenue in its first year. So, I mean, that's um, – now, and I think the state gets 15% of that. Where the $150 million is, I'm not sure, but, yeah. And there's also a charity out on Dixie Highway next to Khalil's that has a place – they're called Shirley's Way, and they have a place where you can go in there with gaming. Oh, I didn't oh, know yeah. that. Yeah, there's really? gaming everywhere. There's, it's, I mean, it's, it is definitely everywhere, and, and it's going to happen. It's I just, hope so. It, it's, it's just a matter of time when that finally goes down. I hope so. And, um, and, and every time, Fred, that we have this conversation, the same negatives come out. Well, it's going to bring a bad element in it. It's all around us. It's all across the country. Are there any negatives left against expanding sports gaming? The, the negative is if they don't, frankly, yeah. uh, because they're missing the boat. Now, that you know, I understand the opposite argument which has a lot of layers to it that you know just because johnny's doing it doesn't mean we should do it but you know and that it creates problems for people who are gambling but the to me the reality is if you go across to indiana you go over to the casino there horseshoe i guess they're calling it now Mm -hmm. uh you see as many kentucky plates or more than you do indiana plates so we're losing these people and that money that is being generated in this state and being spent in a different state, and that doesn't make any sense to me. Not to mention apps, and there's also online betting, but right. my biggest struggle with this is quit trying to legislate morality. I don't bet. I, I'm not a right. gambler. I hate losing 10 bucks. I hate it. Right. But I do want the revenue. But let's talk basketball, man. Fred, you've been around a long time, buddy. Thank you've you. have seen yeah. a lot of Louisville and Kentucky teams. <laughs> that insurance company commercial? <laughs> You think reverse mortgages? No, the one about uh, we, we do a lot of things because we've seen a lot of things. <laughs> that's right. But for your, but if you just look, and this is what I did this year with the Louisville team, if you know a championship team when you see one, and and that Louisville team, because you start to check boxes off in your brain, mm-hmm. right? You've seen the ones that have been a surprise Final Four team, and the ones you knew. Man, this team is built for a run. I think Louisville's team is built for a run. It's got the pieces, and the question was, were those pieces going to develop along the way? Uh, the Florida State game certainly kind of outed them a little bit about the, the pieces that needed to step up. And since that time, we've seen some really good things. Now, a long winning streak, and some of the guys that needed to step up uh, are. I mean, even in the Kentucky loss, where, I mean, Wara did not really play that well or mm-hmm. certainly score. He did other things. Uh, you saw guys step up. So it, it was a road loss, but an arguably the most difficult place for Louisville historically to win. Take him to overtime. It was anybody's game. And you began to see some traction 
in those areas that need to be there. I mean, War cannot do it alone, although he's a prolific shooter uh, and a classic prototypical NBA guy creating his own Mm -hmm. shot. But it's going to take eight guys to do this. And the nice part for me with, with this particular team is its age. It is atypical in college basketball now to have that many older players on your team. And I think because of that, there's more of a chance in, in the maturity level to see those things and to embrace them and to do something about it. If you're a freshman and you've been pampered your entire time, not pointing at Kentucky specifically, but just the sport in general now is so young. I think I remember being a freshman myself. I mean, I didn't get it. I mean, I'm still not sure I get it at 62 years old. <laughs> but especially when you're 18, yeah. you know, it's, it's a tough gig. But after getting your butt kicked for two or three or four years uh, and – I think sort of getting the warts burned off uh, and being chiseled. Uh, I think these guys, if there's any ego left, it's it's gone. And there's really only one thing they want. The hard part then is figuring it out as a team. And it's interesting because I look at Indiana so differently from Louisville right now. Indiana, I think there are problems in the locker room. Even Archie Miller talked about it last night on his radio show that, that this team is not together yeah and he meant literally like go bowling or something i yeah. mean be they don't seem to want to be together and, and po- the polar opposite was mac after the game on saturday the win over virginia him talking about that these guys really do get it yeah that they really have a mission and this is their team something john calipari has wanted to talk about and wanted to instill in his team that i want a player driven team mac didn't say it that way but that's where he was going with this this is a player driven team so once you get that and you get guys listening, and in fact, Mac referenced the no ego thing, that they are big enough men now mm-hmm. that they can take a punch from one of their teammates and when they get called out. I mean, I work in a news They let room. a freshman take over the Virginia game, because, and they didn't complain. Right. No, because that, that was the guy who yeah. had the hot hand. So in our newsroom, I mean, I've been there 34 years. We're sort of a player-driven newsroom. Vicky Dortch calls me out if she doesn't. I, I, I mean, it in a very sincere sure. and positive way. Yeah. If Vicky doesn't like something I've done, she'll call me out for it, and that's good. She's punched you before, absolutely. Oh. And I can take a punch. I can. I can be there. Hey, hey, the rope of dope. Tony and I are doing the sports show again. It was two years that we were off, and all of the stuff at U of L. The, the dark cloud was was just forming. And attendance has been a little down. The passion on the telephones hasn't been quite there. Are fans reluctant to embrace this team again, or is there something bigger going on in college basketball? Yeah, Dave, that's a really good question. I, I think it's happening in our society right now. I, th- I mean, this has a lot of layers to it. You could fill a radio show right. just talking about this. It's the business model of sports yeah. and what's going on in our society financially. I mean, the average family of four makes about $65,000 a year. Right. That doesn't go very far anymore. Nope. And you're talking about, is there private school? You know, what's going to give in that business model? And going to a game is very, very difficult financially on anybody, even at face value. But if you start building in stuff like, you know, add-ons, like, you know, premiums for good seats and all that other stuff, it, it becomes very difficult. So even in a Virginia game, you see empty seats upstairs. I saw I'm sitting at one end, a privileged press row seat down by the basket. I get it. Looking across upstairs, and there were a lot of empty seats. I mean, there's a reason for that. It's not about, for me, the product. I, I think the fan base is as strong as it's ever been. But they can't afford to do this and eat. So something's got to give. And you've got 
HDTV and, you know, 4K and everything else and, you know, frankly, dollar beers versus $10 beers. I mean, you just start thinking about that business model and you, you maybe you only go to one game now. You don't go to the whole season. Right. If Talk, you go at all. Talking basketball with Fred Cowgill, legendary Fred Cowgill, in, in the market <laughs> 34 years. Wow. How about that? I'm not dead yet. Yeah, right. no, I mean, <laughs> man, you're killing me. <laughs> no, but listen, that's a lot of knowledge. Seriously. Oh, and, and, and you have a lot of your colleagues have a tremendous respect for you. You communicate Aww. with them. But my question is, as a basketball novice, looking at the NCAA this year, it looks like it's anybody's game. Yeah. And it's, it's seriously, yeah. there's not really one standout team. But I look at UofL, I look at teams like UK, they are internationally known, and it's big in Kentucky. So Patino, when we let Patino go, we bring in, Tyree brings in Chris Mack. Did you and your colleagues think, for one second, that it would be this successful first year? Because no, outside not overnight, in, no. as a novice, I thought, no. the guy looks good. Nobody He's got did. XYZ. No. That, Give him some time. Yeah, yeah. This has been an overnight success story, and none of us saw this coming. There were pieces, and certainly his resume was awesome. I mean, he was a great hire. Nobody ever argued that. But nobody saw this ability to turn a program around this quickly. And a lot of it, frankly... I think is his personality. He's got the people. I mean, luckily, and he kept he the players. Well. Yeah. yeah, that was the key. Yeah. He kept the first year. The, the, when he came in, they all said, "You know what? I'm going to stick around." When everybody could have just jumped. Sure. And then in the second year, he brought in a class, yeah. and then kept Wara. Right. That's Rick loved to run them off. He was like he fall in love with them right. and out of love with them quickly. The difference was, I think he's a pretty good X's and O's. Every fifteen seconds or so. Right. Well, he right. <laughs> Dave, David. Too David, too soon. <laughs> it's always too soon. Well, obviously. Okay. All right. Oh. So, uh, Mac is not a yeller. I mean, he. I find yeah. fat. I would play for him. Not that I had the talent, but I mean, he's the kind of guy you want to play for. I'm sitting behind the bench. Normally, we sit in the end zones. But I was in December. I went to the Western Kentucky game right. down in Nashville, and in that setup, which was more or less a neutral site thing, sort of, kind of, I sat directly behind Mac, which was exceptionally cool. So I, I was distracted trying, I'm trying to do internet, and you know how that is, we're doing 50 things yeah, at once. Yeah, yeah. I stopped what I'm doing because I'm so fascinated by what he's saying to the guys. Right. He's talking like we're talking right now. He, wow. He's like, you see that? I mean, that, you, you know, you do that, we're going to lose. It's fascinating that he has that kind of relationship with them. He's not screaming, and Patino was a screamer, as we all know, uh, and, and a high pressure motivator mac is the polar opposite he is a guy that you can connect with and you really know in your heart what he's talking to you when he's talking to you he's telling you the truth yeah unvarnished yeah and to some degree calipari can be like that i still think he's kind of a yeller too but mac is hysterical his sarcasm like he'll look at the player and go really really come on (laughs) and in the heat of a game where it's like this is the point where he loses his mind like like a really bad shot. Like right. you know, you're one on five. A and selfish, you, right, yeah. a selfish right, early in right, the clock. Right. right. A Darius Perry last season. He's yeah. much better now. But right. a, last season, one on five, taking a three from half court, <laughs> and he puts him down. And he's like, really? Come on, really? I mean, it's hysterical to watch. And 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 you'll see it sometimes. The players start laughing. Right. He gets to them. Yeah. And suddenly, you know, you always try to keep it in front of you, and he gets around their defenses and gets his message across. Right. So it's pretty cool. Is that how he got the technical the other? night after that call yeah. he's like really well he really he um oh what was the line he used in the western game he <laughs> oh, was really so- unhappy with a ref and he calls the ref over and he says you're really going to try to sell that to me and, right and, and the ref kind of looks at him and goes you're going to try to sell it to me but you can't you were wrong 
so he didn't curse at him. Right. But he's chewing him out for a bad right. call. Sure. But it, it's it's a conversation. It's a, like we're talking to each other. I mean, it, I've rarely seen a coach like that, and it's fascinating to listen, and you see how he gets his message But wrong. But as long as we've been around, look, we're from this town. You are yeah. not, but you've been here for a long my enough that you home. are. You my are. adopted home. What I love is that he's got small kids, and oh, you yeah. see him at Roosters, yep. and you see him at Burger King, man. You see him at Burger King, and he seems he's his wife might know more about basketball than he does, yeah. which I love that yeah. dynamic. Yeah. I was hanging out donuts at Sacred Heart the other day. He was there, oh, and really? they treated him like a regular. No one said, "Hey, coach." Whatever. Right. They just said, "You're box donuts. You're out back." And he just <laughs> he's he was there as a parent. He wasn't there as the That's coach. Sure. And I and no offense to the last guy, but those are things that, that didn't happen. That no. never happened. That didn't happen. No, you don't talk to the the former coach that way. Well, I mean, everybody has their own thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rick yeah, yeah, Pitino yeah. was a very successful yes. coach. I think he was know. more New York than Louisville. That's that's yeah. Sure. But he loved Louisville. Yeah. loved living here. Uh, but he had his own thing. And yeah, you. Sure. It was a different dynamic. And you know that's a tough gig to get around uh, when you're dealing with him. I, I've known him for a long, long time. We go way back together. And I mean, literally thirty years. I mean, my first project at Boston University in graduate school was on him. Oh, no kidding. Oh, for real. I, I didn't know you 19, went back to Boston. I was in graduate school in 1979 after I graduated undergrad at Tennessee. I go to get a master's degree at Boston, and guess who's the first year I coach? Rick no Pitino. Wow. My first project was on Rick. I've known him forever. <laughs> wow. So, and, and frankly, he was the same way then. Just, I mean, think about a very young Rick Pitino with that energy level and all that, who was even extremely intimidating at that point, and he's not much older than I was at the time. So, Interesting okay. scenario out there, Fred Calgill, yes. is that you have Worldwide West, who's now in yes. New York, yes, sir. a good friend of Cal. As I think team president now. Yes, sir. Cal's been trotting out more of his assistance for the media obligation. So people could read into that and say, is this the time he makes the jump or is he going to be a Kentucky lifer? I think he's a Kentucky lifer. I think he's exposing his, his uh, assistance for a variety of reasons, including to help them. And part of it is to get him off the hook. Yesterday was his birthday. So, But on Mondays, more and more, for a Tuesday game, he's been deferring to other guys. But he didn't do his radio show last night that I know of. I'm sure it was because it was his birthday. But, uh, no, I think he's here for good. I really no do. one leaves voluntarily of a $9 million a year job. Not when you're, if not right. asked to leave. No one does that. It's $9 million a year. Right. I don't care if New York wants to match it. It's still only coaching 35, 40 games in college, right. and he's loved here. You don't leave $9 million bucks a year. Right. For an, un, uh, for an unknown. Right. And, you know, he had a taste of the NBA. At the end of the day, the NBA is a player league, and college basketball is a coach's right. sport, and UK very much so. He And it... He was the perfect guy for the job. Now, how long? Oh, you know, he, to me, he's like the Bob Baffert of college basketball. And, you know, there's this no one perfect more, for Bob. There's no one more. Right. He loves this. the spotlight. Yes. But th- that said, you know, there came a point where Bob's kind of like, I'm running out of lines here. So you know, <laughs> will Calipari ever run out of lines? I don't know. Right. Look, as much as us Louisville fans want him to go, and every little hint, we're like, oh, he's going. He's going to the Knicks. He's going to the Knicks. Uh, not no, happening. he's not. Fred Calgill, we love you dearly. Absolutely. We'll see you on 32LKY, and we we'll hope to see you on the uh, Monday Marathon. Nick Coffey's running right here. I think he wants to see you before you get out yes, of here. Yes, sir. Back after this. All right. We all love Corolla, right? Oh, Adam Corolla. How could you not love Adam Corolla? Uh, this is a guy that grew up in the projects yep. in L.A., yep. and he's got a lot of uh, political opinions, but he's not rough about it. He's just like, look, man, this is how I feel. Right. So here, here is him talking about, uh, he makes an analogy between music and the woke mentality. Uh, I think people, I think the pendulum is starting to swing back a little bit, you know. We've had, hit a saturation level. 
um, I sort of believe as human beings we work this way. Like, I believe that in the late 80s there were hair bands and big guys wearing, you know, bouffants and spandex and aquanet and eyeliner and everything else. And then that gave way to grunge music. Yeah. Kurt Cobain, tattered shirts, nobody cared, right? So it's like, what could be further away from hair bands, grunge music? And that's what came next. So I'm starting to wonder if it's swinging back. I think the insanity of the woke folks out there have forced sane people to push back. And we may be going from the hair band to the grunge movement. We can only pray. Yeah, no kidding. That people's lives aren't ruined for the rest of their life for something they said. Or in a comedy act. What what came after grunge? I mean, we talk all the time about who are oh, the that killed rock. Who are the great rock no, acts left? And that's they're it. all the ones that are in their seventies. That's it. it well, it, it in my opinion, it helped not kill rock, but put no, it, put it on. You're, you're wrong. Put it, put it on. You're wrong. It's deathbed. You're wrong. But now you have bands coming like Greta no, Van Fleet. We killed it. Radio killed well, it. And I'll tell you why. By shortening the catalog? Nope. Okay. By separating grunge music from regular rock and roll, and we've started alternative stations. Oh, uh, yeah. So we split them up. What killed rock was damn rap rock. No offense to Kid Rock. Lip Biscuit. But when people started doing the putting rap music in rock music, that's what killed rock music. And what's country doing right now? They got all that hip hop stuff. I'm telling you. you know what I'm saying? Look at something to kill it, and that'll be it. We shouldn't have. Yeah, there you go. Uh, oh, yeah. I got to throw a flag on this one. I like Kid Rock. I don't care. It's still rap rock. Yeah, but he, but he was more rock rock. I mean, wow, I don't know. I can't. He's like rap country rock. Is that like our croc? No, he's a smart businessman. So he knew where country music was going, and he was like, I'm going to go do that. Yeah, I was a McDonald's guy. Is this a clean version? I have no idea. Okay, all right. Okay, well, let's go ahead and kill okay. it just now. Uh, it's, it's edited. But okay, good, good. separating, <laughs> we should have put Smashing Pumpkins and Green Day next to Led Zeppelin in the doors. What we, we and it would have been fine. Well, it would have been fine. But QMF would do that. Here's my problem. Yes, but everyone these little these rock and roll nerds are sitting in their little offices and they're like, Green Day can't play on a rock stage and it's alternative music. Really? It's alternative. What does even that mean, dude? It, it, our rock listener won't put up with it. I've got I've got nothing against like Pearl Jam. It sounds like rock music. Yes! Smashing Pumpkins sounds like... Here's what I can't stand, though. It's the... I don't know where that belongs. That's a result of crazy people. Yeah. Because I don't understand that either. That's uh, I, I, I don't know who could go to a concert with just... But listen to this. This is Green Day. This is a rock music. Yeah. This is rock music. Yeah. Of course, he's trying to sound like he's British. And don't tell me I don't know what I'm talking about because I was Without in... breathing through his nose. That's the only thing that ever annoyed me about Green Day. Was what? Why do you got to sound like you're from England? What? I'm going to try sound like this. <laughs> Please do that some more. <laughs> well, I come around. <laughs> 71. So, yeah, go ahead. I, I found the guy that killed after hearing all of the arguments. Yeah. Yeah. I found the individual that killed rock music. Okay. 
That's good enough for me. Oh, that's true. C is for cookie. That's good enough for me. C is for cookie. That's good enough for me. Cookie, cookie, cookie starts with C. Or, that, or, or Green Day. Uh, for cookie. That's good enough I, uh, for me. My last day on Fox, I went to my bosses, and, I, and this is the kind of music that was rolling in, and I yeah. was like, I can't do this. I don't right. even know what they're saying. I was like, I can't do this. Can you put me back on QMF, please? They're like, yeah. <laughs> I want right, to go back to Foreigner. All right, old man, go back and play some Elton John. But going going back to Adam Carolla, I don't know how you can't love the guy. And he's about the hardest working man I've ever seen in my life. He's got his own alcohol. He's got television shows. He's got he's got a podcast network. On one of the shows he did, I don't know if it's still continued, but it's um to catch to catch a. Uh, a mockingbird, no. a thief, predator. No, well, it's it's you know how they did to rail catch a, train. No, a cold to catch a contractor. <laughs> Do you remember to catch a predator where, where they would, yes. they would have pedophiles come out? The next thing you know, the cold one didn't work very long. <laughs> kind of dry. That was kind of fun for a bit. Let's play the guessing game. <laughs> but but he's got he's got a show called to catch a predator, and it's all about to catch a predator. <laughs> That's where, that's where they, they trap hockey players in Nashville. Okay. They, they walk around the corner and a net falls on them. Uh, catching, okay. Contractors are, are thieves. That's to what ca- you're saying. No, yeah. I didn't say that. You said that. But some contractors do rip people I don't off. mind saying that. If you find a good contractor, hold on to him as long as you can. Right. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, listen, man. But here's the problem. There are bad contractors out there. So he started a show called To Catch a Contractor. Good. And he would set up, he would set up cameras in like a home and an elderly person would have a contractor come out there. When they would start to rip them off, Corolla would show, show up and he yeah. would say, Hey, what, what are you doing? Cause the guy used to be a carpenter. The guy could tell you anything about an engine, anything about no, carpentry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he would say, Yo, why, why are you? Talking? I don't mind calling these people out. I don't need You know how many HVAC companies in this town rip off, or uh, not, you don't have to be the old elderly. They rip people off all the time no, in I teams. Know. They work in teams. I know. To rip you off. So I don't care about calling them out. Cost some family six thousand dollars when they didn't need a new HVAC. Set up, set up five estimates. Two guys show up. Two guys Can't show even up. Get estimates anymore. Or if you ever hear this one, ah, you can get a second opinion. But you know, I've got a guy that's down the street that has your unit. We can get it in tonight. Or mm-hmm. yeah, you can get a second estimate. But if you turn that on, it might blow up you and your neighbor's home. <laughs> Wait, what? Wow. Wait, what? I thought I was just out of free arm. But if you don't care about your family, cool. We'll take that chance. I appreciate yeah. his honesty. <laughs> <laughs> Back after this. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.